meine Frau spricht sehr gut, sehr gut Deutsch. Her first language was German. And I met her in high school. I was the middle linebacker on the football team. And she was the head cheerleader. Yes. And you might think that's why we met, but not really. Um, somebody told me, got to my locker at lunchtime, and somebody told me, there's a girl that likes you. You should go out with her. And that really didn't get my attention because I stuttered really bad. And because I stuttered really bad, I, was, I, I, I really didn't talk to hardly anybody, especially a girl. I had never talked to a girl. I was afraid of girls. I'd like to look at them, think about them, but not talk to them. And someone said, you should go out with her, but, he said, but if you do, don't mention God. She'll talk your ear off. She's one of those Christians. Well, I didn't know what a Christian was. I didn't know if I was a Christian. I went to church every Sunday of my life, but I didn't know if I was a Christian. And something just went click on the inside of me. And the next thing I remember is I found her. And I convinced her to skip out of school with me for the afternoon. Really, that was our first. Her first time skipping out of school, my millionth time. But that was our beginning. I was the bad boy, and she was the good, good girl. And um, I fell in love with what was on the inside of her before I ever fell in love with her, I think. She just was, she just, you pressed a button, and all that came out was Jesus, 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 just bubbling over. And she's still like that today. She is amazing. So I was 18. She was 15. We got married three years later. I was 21. She was 18. <laughs> that was kind of like robbing the cradle. And um, a few years later, at 22, she was 22. That was it. She finished having kids. We had three little girls at that time. I mean, I knew we were going to have kids, so why wait? You know, patience was never one of my greatest strengths. And, and I, I actually um, really didn't have a clue what to do with my life. And so one of the things I, I felt like is I could make a difference. When I grew up, I, we were very poor. I'm the second oldest of 11. And we, we go to the dentist, and I didn't have very good teeth. And the dentist that we went to, he didn't use freezing or anything. It was just really the, the cheapest dentist, you know. So you, you drill teeth or pull teeth without freezing. So I was horrified. And at 14 years old, we moved, and I, got, I went to a different dentist, and it's like, wow, and that was amazing. And so maybe I could make a difference in someone else's life, plus make a lot of money, um, plus never have to talk to anybody. Just put the rubber dam on them and, and, and work on them. So I became a dentist. So we got married. Yeah, we got married, um, went to university, um, had kids, and, and you would have thought... Four years later, I graduated as a dentist. You would have thought we were like the perfect, got it all together couple. Um, got the world by the tail, three gorgeous little girls. But our marriage had grown so far apart. And the reason was we just didn't know how to build this relationship. And there's an expectation when you get married. And when that's not met, it's painful. And we got to the place where when I graduated... I was moving up north, and Helen wasn't coming. So we were going to live in two separate cities, and we did for a while. And then she had this moment. We had, we'd stopped going to church. 
Why? Because someone might ask me my name. Be aware of every person that's coming. Not everybody's like you. There's people that are, have different worlds than your world. And, and I, I, I was really just so did not want to stutter. It was, it was the fear of my life. And so we stopped going to church. And that's not smart. And so we just drifted away from God. I graduated, moved up north. Helen's at home with um, two little ones and pregnant with our third. And she has this moment, this epiphany moment, where she tucks the two girls into bed one night and, and looks at her big pregnant belly and thinks, this is not right. I didn't sign up for this. How did I get here? And she walks into our bedroom and falls on her knees and opens her Bible for the first time in a long time. And just said, God, I've had life without you, and I've had life with you, and I'm not going to do another day without you. And she just made a decision to just give everything to Jesus. And she, be, she, she began to open those, those pages and, and again discover how much God loved her. And I was 500 kilometers away, totally innocent to all of this. But she would call me, and all of a sudden, like, her, her language changed. I was no more the jerk and the, and the, the problem. And, you know, she, before that, she would have told you all of our problems. They were all in one word, John. <laughs> and, and, and God got a hold of her and thank you, Jesus. She began to recognize that she could work on herself and she did. And, and, and she phoned me and, and it was the different voice. And then she, this is amazing. She had this, this, second epiphany about two weeks later she thought you know God I know you love me and I believe you love John too could you show me why because what she saw with these eyes was not lovable and you know all of us we put way too much in these eyes but what God saw was something amazing. And she began to search the word of God. God, show me who my husband is. God, show me what you see. And everything began to change. And so that was 40 some years ago. Um, we, I practiced dentistry for 10 years, the last two of which I actually, we planted a church 33 years ago last two of which I did both. We met Brian and Bobby in the late 80s. We've been friends for decades. We love Hillsong Church. It is our family. If you don't know, I am Uncle John. Yeah. And Helen is Auntie Helen. And um, we are going to do life with you for the rest of life. And then for eternity. And so I've got this privilege of, of getting to love people. And, and I was the worst of the worst. I was Mr. Loner, totally. And why would God take someone like me and give me the, the job to, to teach on relationships? I had no clue. And I think that's why. Because I could get no credit. He gets all the credit. And so Helen and I, we've been doing this for a long time. We're on the Hillsong Channel with our, our shows called Sex, Love, and Relationships. 
you figure that one out. A couple of old people talking about sex, you know. And actually, people like the show. It, it, it makes a difference. But today, I want to give you the simplest of all messages. And it comes down to the best part of life is we get to love. We get to love. I want you to walk out of here knowing you get to live because real living is loving. Okay? If you're not loving, you're just existing. You're just taking up air, taking up room, but it's not really what God's called us to do. And, and, and I want to make it so it's something that's tangible, that we all get it, and I want your heart to be stirred, okay? I want you to learn something, but I want you to feel something. And then I want you to walk out of here with something in your hand, a tool that you know you can do, because every one of us, it's one thing that I've said over the years many times, and I'd say it to you again. As I'm leaving today, I'd say, that's only one, one thing I ask of you. What, what is it? What is it? What is it? Change the world. People think, well, what, me? Little old me changed the world. Yeah. I believe every one of us were born to change the world. It's actually our responsibility to leave this place better than we found it. Leave your city better than you found it. Leave the people in your world better than you found it. Change the world. And how do you do that? Easy. It's called love. Love changes the world. Go back to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. I love going back to the beginning because it makes so much sense. I think we got, there it is. Then God said, let us, notice the us, it's a plural, okay? Let us, so, so God, them, God, them said this, make, let us make man in our image. Okay, we have a job and that's to show the world who God is, the image of God, according to our likeness and let them have dominion change the world okay let us make man in our image let's explain that there is only one god right but three persons father son holy spirit three unique three different three individual three amazing just like all of you unique individual amazing no two alike in this room but one god that's what relationships are all about. But then go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, and we all know this, but here it says it again. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So put those two scriptures together, and the bottom line is you were created by love. You were created in love. You were created for love. You were created out of love. You're all about love. Really, to live is love. And, and when we get to do that, when we recognize it's not you have to, we get to. When, when you get up looking for and recognizing that the day's full of opportunities to love, we can make a difference in this world. We can change our world. And that's what God wants us to do. So let me just really easily make it something that's tangible for every one of us recognizing that love is what binds us together what makes us his image we're made for it you don't have to try to be something else just be you you really never get set free till you start loving there's the real you on the inside looking to get set free 
And you get set free when you love. And we already heard it as we, we sang it, God, for God so loved that he gave. Love gives. Love isn't give me. Love is give. Actually, love that doesn't cost is just a feeling. It's just goosebumps. Goosebumps don't change the world. But love will cost you. And getting up every day, recognizing we were created for this day to love, to make a difference. So what are some of the things that we could do? Well, recognize love sees. Okay? Love sees. You can love just by seeing. Seeing what? Seeing past what is to what can be. Seeing past what is to what God sees. Seeing past what the world says. Seeing past what everyone else sees to what God sees. Wouldn't that just end all racialism right there? Wouldn't that just end all the wars in this world right there? If we took God's eyes and began to see past what is, what's on the outside. And do you know that every single one of us has got a, a reality on the inside that's different from anyone else? There's 7.5 billion people, 7.5 billion realities. And the fact is, the only reality you know is yours. Okay, so when it comes to someone else in this world, I don't know. Okay, I don't know where you've come from. I don't know your past. I don't know the history. I don't know the, the challenges you've gone through, but I want to. See, when it comes to racial divide, I don't look at someone with a different color skin and think, I don't see color. Are you blind? You must be blind because there's color difference there. What I do is I look at someone and I think, I don't know. I know I'm ignorant, but I don't want to be stupid. Okay, ignorant is, is I don't know, but I, I, I know I don't know. But stupid is I don't want to know. Or stupid is I think I know already. I don't know, I want to know. I want to know. And with that heart, God will actually give us the ability to see what he sees. And that's when life becomes amazing. I've told this story a thousand times. I'll tell it again because it is, if you talk about relationships and, and, and my journey, really such a big part of it starts 35 years ago. I was a dentist traveling all over, um, an evangelist, really thinking I was important. But at home, I had three little girls, eight, seven, and five. And on the way home, been gone too long, missing my girls in a airport. I picked up a little card. It had a sunshine on the outside of it. And it was a little kid's card. And the sunshine, I have to blame the sunshine. I've never heard of this before, but the, this sunshine got my attention. And the reason is my daughter, my oldest daughter, her name was Angela Sunshine. Yes. People used to say, you must have been a hippie to name your daughter Sunshine. I just like the song, Sunshine on My Shoulders Makes Me Happy. And, and I wouldn't have named her first name Sunshine, but our last name is Burns. So, so you can't, really, honestly, you, could, you can't do that. You, could, you wouldn't do that to a little girl. So, so we buffered it, Angela Sunshine, but the sunshine is to blame. So I, I got this little card and I filled it out, put it on her pillow. Dear Angela, please be my special date Sunday night. Love, Daddy. 
I remember coming home and walking in the front door and, and we have a staircase that goes up like this and I looked up and out stepped the queen. Eight years old. Eight year old. I don't know if you've got any daughters eight years old or know what that looks like. Perfect hair. Little daddy dress on means lots of frills. And then she began to walk down the stairs. Her walk was like this, okay? This is what got my attention. It's the wedding walk. Every little girl practices it for the most important man in her world, and it was me. I was surprised. But I went up, put my best black suit on, came down, took my date by the arm, opened the car door, drove to this restaurant, we had a candlelight dinner together, and then I thought, how do you talk to an eight-year-old? <laughs> Honest with you. I loved her with all my heart, but I had no idea what was going on in her little world. So I began to ask her, so what do you do all day? Do you have friends? Um, and, and, and she began to open up and share her world. Intimacy is simply into me see. Okay, everyone's got their own world. And they want you in, but you have to want to know, have to want to see, have to want to walk a mile in their shoes. And when she did, it was, it was so amazing. I thought, I'm never quitting. So way back then, 35 years ago, I began this tradition. I bought this big calendar, put three names on it every month, Angela, Danica, and Ashley. I started dating my daughters. And I've gone all over the world teaching that principle, but that principle simply lets me understand. And it was the revelation. Everyone's got their own world. Relationships is when you get in their world. You got to see past the outside. And love sees. It, it's, it sees and then it goes, wow. Why? Because on the inside is the treasure. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. I love this. This is what Paul writes. And he says, but we all with unveiled face. So God begins to take the veil away. What's the veil? That's the outside. That's all you can see is what everyone else sees. And if you just see what everyone else sees, nothing changes. Everything stays the same. But God, the gospel takes this veil away. But we all with unveiled eyes looking as in a mirror. So what do you see in a mirror? Yourself. God actually wants to show us who we are, but as in a mirror, we see the glory of the Lord. So you're seeing not what everyone else sees because they don't see the glory of the Lord in you. They see the mess. Hello? Usually that's what we see too. We look in the mirror and all we see is problems. We see the zit over here or the, you know, got too much weight down here, whatever. And God doesn't see that. He sees the glory of the Lord. He sees past the outside and he shows you this great, amazing person. You can't see others until you can see you. The lens that you see you through is the lens that you'll see others through. If we're going to change this world. It's got to start with us. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed. I love the gospel. The gospel is not another set of lenses. It's not another way to look at the world. The gospel is supernatural. The gospel is transformational. The gospel will take your mess and turn it into a miracle. 
The gospel will do what nobody thought they could ever do. The gospel will heal. The gospel will change the world. The gospel is the love of God. It's the cross. You look and you see it and it changes you from glory to glory. I love that. It's not a one-time thing. It's not a, a, a presto and everything's better. I got saved 30 years ago. Well, great. That was a good beginning. Now what? How are you getting saved today? Because it's a, it's a progression from glory to glory to glory. Often people ask us this, this question. They say, how do you stay in love for a lifetime? You know, Helen and I in May will be married 45 years. And I love her more today than I ever have before. And I think she'd tell you the same thing. <laughs> How do you do that? Well, you just keep looking past the outside and treasure hunting. Because the treasure is the glory of the Lord. The treasure is what God sees. If you keep looking for that, wow. So people say, how do you stay in love for a lifetime? Two words, stay amazed. Stay amazed. Don't think you know. There's more. There's more. There's somebody wrote a book about that. You ever? There's more. There's always more. And as you look past the outside, you go, wow. And you just continue want to see more and want to see more. Number two, love has a voice. Use your words. Love has a voice. Use your words. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Use your words. You can speak them. You can write them. You can sign language them. But use your words. Because your words are miraculous. Love has a voice. Don't be silent. Silence isn't silent. If you're in a relationship and, and things go silent, it's not healthy. Yeah. Silent is not silent. It screams, ow, pain. But love has a voice. And I just want to encourage you, there's things that every one of us need to say that haven't been said. God created. In the beginning, God created. And you were created creative. And he's given you words. He said, let there be, and everything came into being. And today there's still things that you and I need to create, words that have never been said that need to be said. So simple, too. It's really so simple. I was raised in an amazing home. I'm the second oldest of 11. Um, I used to have a big, big chip on my shoulder about my dad because, you know, we got holes in the wall where he missed my head. And I thought he must be the worst dad. And then, I, then, you know, it's kind of crazy until Helen came along. When she starts trying to figure out, you know, who my dad is and starts asking questions to see past the outside. And I find out, you'd think I would have known this, but I find out that he actually never had a dad. And he raised 11 kids. And he was raised in a bar. When he was a boy, he'd come home from kindergarten for school and they'd give him a big glass of beer. And, 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 you know, when I started hearing about his past, I stopped blaming him. And we need to stop blaming the people in our world so God can actually use them. So I grew up never hearing, I love you. Never. 
never hearing I'm proud of you. Never. I knew my parents loved me, I'm pretty sure, but never heard it. Helen grew up hearing it all the time. I love you, I love you, love you, love you. We got married, and she was, she was so upset. How come you don't say you love me every day? I thought, what's wrong with you? How insecure that you need to hear every day. I don't need to hear it. Why do you need to hear it? You know, so finally I thought, okay, okay, I know, I know I need to change. So how often do you need to hear this? I did. I'm, I'm not making it up. I asked, how often do you want me to say I love you? Just, just, once a day would be nice. So I started. And then about two months later, she found my, back then we didn't have phones or anything. We had day timers. Remember that? They were, they were books with like calendars. She found my day timer and every day I had written on it, tell Helen that you love her. And when she found it, she said, I can't believe it. You got to have a reminder to tell me. And then she actually got it. She thought, thank you. Because what I was doing was building a habit. And, and after a while, I didn't need a reminder anymore. But we really grew up in different homes. So I never heard I love you. So I figured I'm going to make a difference. So um, several years ago, Father's Day comes along. And um, I call my dad. And you know, he answers, hey, dad, happy Father's Day. And, you know, he's, okay, thanks, John. You know, you're, you're doing what you're supposed to do. And he's ready to hang up. And I said, Dad, Dad but Dad, Dad don't, don't hang up. Why? I want to say something. What? I just want to say that I'm glad you're my dad. I love you. Silence. And then this crackly voice, I'm glad you're my dad. I love you too. Click. <laughs> that night... We went over to my brother's house, and with five brothers and five sisters, all together with their kids, there's 93 of us. It's called a crowd. It's peer pressure. I walked into the crowd, and my dad saw me and went straight across to me, put his arms around me, and gave me a kiss. Ooh. My first thought was, Dad, you need a shave. Ooh. I don't know how you girls do it. But anyway, um, he gave me a kiss, and, and then he said to me, have I ever told you how proud of you I am? I still get choked up thinking about it. Um, and then he said, look at my eyes. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> he says, I want you to know that I love you. Don't you ever forget it. Do you think he started loving me, man? Do you think he started being proud of me? No. He just didn't know how to say it. Sometimes it just takes words. How many people in your world never heard the words? Love has a voice. Love takes opportunities. And do you know life is full of opportunities? There's an opportunity for every one of us today to pick up the phone if, you, if your dad's never heard that, or your son's never heard it, or your daughter's never heard it. Opportunities. There's 86,400 every day. And if you miss them, they're gone. You'll never get them again. But if we actually have our antennas up, looking ready to grab a moment, grab an opportunity, and pour your heart into it. What do you mean? Do something that's not easy. Stop just doing what you always do. There's things we need to say we've never said before. 
Several years ago, my younger brother, uh, I was on the golf course early in the morning and um, the golf marshal come driving out and he said, Dr. Burns, there's, there's an emergency call for you. Call home. Oh, I hate hearing that. So I called home and Helen said that my brother Joe um, was in the hospital and they found him in the middle of the night and his heart had stopped. So they resuscitated him, but they didn't know how long his heart was, uh, was, was, had stopped, whether his brain had made it or not. And I'm driving to the hospital, and all I could, all I could think was, if I had one more moment. If I had one more moment, what would you say? Doesn't take a rocket scientist at that point to figure it out. I would have said, Joe, I love you. I don't think I'd ever said that. Why? We don't say that. Not in our family. I would have said, Joe, more importantly, God loves you. And he loved you so much he sent his son. I don't think I'd ever given him the gospel straight to his face before. Wow. Got there and it was a mess and he didn't make it. Two days later, we unplugged him, said goodbye as he took his last breath. And I went to Uganda to minister, got home just before the funeral, phoned my sister and said, um, so at the funeral, what am I doing? And she said, you're not doing anything. I said, I've, I've, got to, I've got to say something. She said, no, the priest said you're not allowed to say anything. You know, when you're a Catholic and you don't, you, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't really welcome to say something. So I understand. Okay. So I got to the funeral and the place is packed. My, my brother was a, a, a hero. He was a little league baseball coach hero. And the, the aisle was lined with little league baseball players, all red, blotchy eyes, crying because they missed my, you know, my brother. And the funeral was amazing. And the priest got to the place in the funeral where it said, at this time, I'd like to invite Joe's two sisters to come and share the eulogy with us. Would you come at this time? And my two sisters got up, and I just got up with them. And I just walked behind them, and everybody thought, well, what a great brother. He's just supporting his sisters. But after they said their thing, they stepped down, and I stepped up. It's easier to get forgiveness than permission, you know. And I said, hi, my name's John. I'm obviously Joe's brother. I look just like him. And when I heard that his heart stopped, all I could think was one more moment. Oh, if I just had one more moment. I knew what I would have said. I said, Joe, I love you. More importantly, God loves you. And then I, and then I said, but, but I thought if, if Joe had one more moment, what would he say? And I turned to his wife and I said, Diane, I know what Joe would say. He would say how much he loves you. And, and your future is bright, and, and you, you, you can do all kinds of things. And then I turned to his three teenage sons, which I'm pretty sure because of the culture of our home, they'd never heard this. I know what your dad would say to you, that he loves you, and he believes in you, and you're going you're gonna to do great. And by that time, everybody in the place was in tears, me, big time. But then I turned to everybody, and I said, the, the bottom line is, I don't have one more moment, not with Joe. But how many Joes are in your world? Why wait? Opportunities all around us every day. Love grabs a moment and pours your heart in.
and changes your world. It's not rocket science. It's just simply love. For every one of us in here, there's opportunities right now. I'm going to ask Pastor Mark to come up and pray with you. And I just, I want you to take and grab the opportunity to not leave this way, leave this place the way you came. But let God do a miracle on the inside.